Amen. You may be seated. Our series on the book of Leviticus uh, brings us uh, to the end of the first section, and we'll be looking at what is very much a restatement in some respects of what we've already covered. You may remember in chapters 1 through 5, there God introduces the five main offerings that the Israelites were to bring uh, to him. And the focus of chapters 1 through 5 is primarily on the lay Israelite, giving them instructions on exactly what type of animal they were to bring. And now in this last section, beginning at the 8th verse of chapter 6, all the way to the end of chapter 7, the primary focus is on the priesthood, the role of the priest in making sure that the form of the ritual is proper and that the handling of the offerings meets God's standards. And we also see some things in this last section that are restatements of what we've already covered. And so we'll be looking at just a selected number of verses today. There is one aspect to this last section that is unique. It's something that we have not covered in depth. And it has to do with the continual daily morning and evening offerings that the priest was to make as he represented the people, as he served as an intercessor of the people before God. And so we'll, we'll look specifically at chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, and then chap, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 23. And so if you would turn then to Leviticus chapter 6 as we read these two portions of Scripture dealing with the continual daily morning and evening sacrifices. Beginning with verse 8. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth, on the altar, all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and put his linen undergarment on his body. And he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced the burnt offering on the altar and put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn it on the fat of the peace offering. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually it shall not go out. And then verse 19, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is the offering that Aaron and his son shall offer to the Lord on the day when he is anointed, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a regular grain offering, half of it in the morning and half in the evening. It shall be made with oil and a griddle. You shall bring it well mixed in baked pieces like a grain offering, and offer it for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The priest from Aaron among Aaron's sons who is anointed to succeed him shall offer it to the Lord as a decree forever. The whole of it shall be burned. Every grain offering of a priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. 
The word of the Lord is eternal and stands firm in the heavens. It is perfect, reviving the soul. And may God's word revive our souls even uh, today. And the way we'll go about looking at these two portions of Leviticus chapter 6 is today to deal with the aspect of the continual fire and the continual sacrifices that were part of the duties of the Old Testament priest. And then next week, we will look at, at the purpose of these continual sacrifices. They all point to Jesus as our great high priest who is continually making intercession for us today. So Jesus, the great high priest, will be next week. And today, we'll look at primarily two things, the continual fire and the continual sacrifices that were to be made. And before we go further, let us commit our time to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it, that it does stand firm in the heavens, that it does revive the soul. And we so desperately need you to do a work of revival uh, in us uh, today. We trust you to do that. And show us, Father, your grace, your favor, and the continual forgiveness that we have, not through men standing and keeping a fire going and burning sacrifices on it, but the continual intercession that that we have as the Lord Jesus Christ continues to function as our great high priest at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Impress upon us the blessing of being able to go to our great high priest. We pray this in his name. Amen. Continual fire. Look at verse 9 of Leviticus chapter 6. Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth, on the altar, all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. So one of my summer jobs when I was in college was to work at the textile mill where my father worked as a designer. And he was in a nice air-conditioned office as he was going about his work, but I was out on the floor in the texturing department. You may be thinking, what is the texturing department of a southern textile mill? Well, the texturing department had many humongous machines that had thousands of moving parts that were oily and smelly and loud, and the operators would take uh, spools of raw yarn and put on these machines, and then the texturing machines would texture that raw yarn into yarn that could be used in the making of fabrics. And my job was to make sure that the operators were well supplied with raw yarn. So I was the water boy, so to speak, or better, the raw yarn boy. These machines ran 24-7. The operators on these machines around the clock had to be diligent in every respect to do their duty so these machines would keep running. There was only one time of the year the machines were shut down because it was such a process, and it was the week of July 4th, which meant the whole plant was closed. But other than that week, 
24-7, every day, those machines were running, operators were diligently doing their duty, and textured yarn was then made into fabric and sold. What I want us to see here in the passage before us is that the priest had to diligently do their duty in in order that God's worship would continually take place. God being worshipped 24-7. Now to understand what's going on in chapter 6 verses 8 through 13 and then 19 uh, through the end of that section, we need to go to another passage that, that really gives kind of the backdrop to what we find in Leviticus chapter 6. So take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 29, and we'll read verses 38 through 42. This is God's instructions to Moses regarding the regular daily morning and evening sacrifices that were to be made by the priest, not by the lay Israelite, but by the priest, as that priest served as an intercessor between God and his people. Now, verse 38, Exodus 29, now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of hen of beaten oil and a fourth of hen of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it a grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. For I will meet with you to speak to you there. And so with with Exodus 29 in mind, we want to go back to chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 of Leviticus and just review the procedure. And so the, the daily evening sacrifice was made. Evening sacrifices were around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, according to the Jewish way of calculating daily time. And that evening sacrifice was left on the altar where it cooked all night. And the priest was there making sure that there was enough wood, that the fire was going, where that fire burned continually all night, and it burned continually the next day. But that evening sacrifice, that lamb and that flower that had been offered at 3 p.m. was there burning to ashes. And then, so we see in verse 13, fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. That was the duty of the priest, to make sure that fire did not go out. And another duty of the priest had to do with the ashes. So the next morning before 9 o'clock, which is the time of the morning, regular daily morning sacrifice, the priest would go, he would put on his priestly garments, in particular the undergarment, which covered his whole body, which covered his skin, we could say which covered his sin. 
And he would go there and collect the ashes that were on the altar from the previous day's burnt offering. And he would take those ashes and he would lay them down by the side of the altar. And then he would go change into just common clothes. He would take off his priestly garments and he would come back and I have no idea what kind of a vessel was used, but a bucket, I guess, and would put those ashes in some kind of vessel, and he would take those ashes outside of the camp because he could not wear his priestly garments outside of the tabernacle. They were holy. And so in his, in his, in his common clothes, he went outside the camp to a place that was designated clean, and there he placed those ashes. The priest had to diligently perform his duty, keeping the fire going, dispensing of the ashes. That was done every day for God's worship to be continually offered up to him. For us today, I think this points, first of all, to church leaders And I speak to elders and deacons and any leader in the church. We might say primarily elders, but we'll include deacons as well. Men, we have duties and responsibilities as offers, as officers in the church. And Paul exhorted Timothy. And I think Paul's words in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, reflect the lesson here in Leviticus 6 about the priest the leader, the one who represents the people being diligent in performing his duty for the worship of God, Paul says this to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Did you pick up the the theme of be diligent, persist, keep watch, practice? Elders and deacons have duties to further the work and worship of this church. And we must be diligent in continually seeking the Lord's grace and favor in order to do that. Now, the second point will come again to practically how this works out in the life of the leader. But I think it speaks to being diligent in the duties the Lord has placed upon the leaders of this church. But it also speaks, I think, to every believer The continual fire burning reminded God's people of continual worship being lifted up to him. God being worshipped 24 and 7. Now, for us, I would suggest we understand in this way. Narrowly, worship is what we're doing right now. We come once a week to corporate worship a service of worship, and we offer up worship to God, the, the pinnacle of the Christian's experience, the, 
the worship of God on the Lord's day, but I think in a broad way, we discover in this passage and other passages in Scripture that all of life is worship, that the believer in all of his or her life is to be living in such a way that it's an offering of worship to God. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then Hebrews 13.15, through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Paul exhorts us to understand that, that we are living sacrifices. We are not like those burnt offerings that were placed on that, that were slaughtered and killed and placed on that offering or that altar to be offered to God. But we're a living offering. A living offering that is to be a pleasing and aroma to God, a living offering that is to be holy and acceptable to Him. And as a living sacrifice, everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, our whole being, our whole life is to be viewed as a, as a sacrifice of praise and adoration and offering to God. It's to be viewed as worship. And the implications of this, the implications are profound. During a normal week, we spend roughly 75 minutes in corporate worship, unless we have a special service other than Sunday morning. 75 minutes. And we are to give ourselves to the worship of the living God as living sacrifices to Him. But there are 10,005 minutes left in the week that are also to be viewed as part of worship. Every, every minute of every day we should be thinking, I am to live as, as worship, as praise and adoration to God. So let me just give a, an ex, just a few examples of this. I want to use marriage as the main example, but the principles that I go over here can be applied to other areas as well. So, husbands, we are to love our wives sacrificially and cherish them. And if you don't know what cherish your wife means, go look it up. It means, honey, I value you. Now, Jesus, yes, number one. But second only to Jesus, I value you. And what I do, I really don't have to tell you that I cherish you. You should be able just to look at what I do and come away thinking, boy, am I ever valued by my husband. But, of course, women want to be told that they're cherished. So we need to tell them as well, right? But do you get what I'm talking about here? That husbands, our loving our wives sacrificially and cherishing them is to be viewed as worship to God. It's more about worship to God than about our wives. And wives, the Bible tells you to respect your husband's authority. 
And you shouldn't even have to say, honey, I respect you. Your husband should be able to tell that you respect him. But wives, your respect of your husband, your duty, your covenant commitment that you've made to respect your husband's authority is not primarily about respecting your husband, but it is about offering up worship to God. And as we think about our marriages as couples, what does the scripture say? In Ephesians 5 verse 21, mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Our marriage as a whole should be offered up to God, should be viewed as an offering to God as worship as we mutually submit to one another. Husbands loving and cherishing their wives, wives respecting their husbands' authority. It's worship. And are we offering up to God a marriage that is holy and acceptable? A marriage that is a pleasing aroma to Him? Or are we offering up a polluted and corrupt and displeasing sacrifice to Him? For those of us who are married, is our marriage pleasing to the Lord? The same type of analysis can be applied to parents and children, to students about their tasks and duties as a Christian student, to employees as they go about their work to employers, as they manage their employees. Offering when we rest and recreate falls into this category as well. Do we do it as an offering of praise and adoration to the Lord? He is the God who calls us to rest, doesn't he? When we go about doing ministry, do we see it first and foremost as worship to God? I'm convinced of this. If I understand this continual fire burning all the time business that we see in Leviticus chapter 6, that (laughs) even as I sleep, it is offering worship to the Lord. I'm indicating to him, I need rest. I'm dependent upon you. And you are the one who gives rest. You've ordained it as part of our daily cycle. I am so convicted by this. Are you? My offerings, even my offerings for this 75-minute period is polluted. Even though I'm the leader of the whole thing. My preparation is polluted. My leading the 75 minutes is polluted. Your worship this 75 minutes is polluted. And that's enough to really convict me. And then I've got to look at the other 10,005 minutes left 
of the week. And my worship as a husband, my, my worship as a pastor, my worship as a father, even as a grandfather, as a friend, it's all polluted. And I'm, 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 I'm left with, with just one conclusion to make. I am an imperfect worshiper of the living God. My offerings as a living sacrifice oftentimes are not holy and acceptable to him. And so we're left with this. Is there hope? Is there hope for imperfect worshipers? And the answer is, yes, there is. Look at verse 12 of Leviticus 6. The fire... The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Then in verse 20, this is the offering that Aaron and his son shall offer to the Lord on the day when he is anointed. A tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a regular grain offering, half of it in the morning and half in the evening. In these words, we find incredible hope. So I like to think of myself as independent, self-sufficient. That kind of goes out the, the window at various times during my life. When, I'm, when I've injured myself and my, I, I, don't, I can't do things for myself or when I'm recovering from sur- surgery and I have to depend on Renee, who is very capable to do things for me and I don't like it I appreciate it don't ever forget I appreciate it because I'm sure a surgery is coming soon where I'm going to need you (laughs) I like to make I like to think of myself as independent but I'm not and God has a way of bringing things into my life that remind me that I'm not independent that I have to depend on Renee, I have to depend on others. Ultimately, he brings these things into my life so that I remember that I am totally dependent upon him. 100% totally dependent upon God every minute of every day. And the morning and evening sacrifices that we find commanded in Exodus 29 and Leviticus chapter 6 serves as an acknowledgement that every Israelite from the high priest down to the regular Israelite Joe or Jane is totally dependent upon God, totally dependent upon God for forgiveness, totally dependent upon God for his favor We may think of that as his grace. And so the priest would go about doing these morning and evening sacrifices by bringing the the sacrifice himself, the little lamb and the the sacrifice of grain. And so he would take the little little year old lamb, one in the morning, one in the evening, and he, he would slaughter that lamb and go through the procedure that we've already discussed about the burnt offering, and then put the whole sacrifice on the altar 
to be burned. And he would do that in the morning, and he would do that in the evening, and the evening sacrifice would burn all night. It would be cleaned up, and the morning sacrifice would begin in the evening. You see, constantly. The Israelites were reminded not only that all of life is worship, but they're totally dependent upon God for forgiveness and for his favor. And between the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice, other offerings could be brought by the Israelites, those offerings that we've already looked at in chapters 1 through 5. And then the high priest was to bring the morning and evening grain offering. And he officiated that ritual. And so the priest, in sacrificing and officiating the morning and evening sacrifice of a lamb, represented the people before God. And now the high priest, and the high priest that was anointed after Aaron and down through the line, would bring this grain offering representing the priesthood. And they're acknowledging that not only do the people, are they totally dependent upon God for forgiveness and favor, but so are the priests, the leaders, totally dependent upon God for forgiveness and favor. And the meaning of the daily burnt grain offerings really is this continual intercession that is being made by the priest for the people and by the high priest for the priest. And as we we, we think about the leadership of the church, the, the fact that this passage speaks to the diligence the priest must use in performing his duties so that the worship of God may continue. As we go about performing our duties here at Covenant, we need to be reminded of our humble place as leaders who are totally dependent upon God. We cannot perform our duties faithfully without recognizing our total dependence upon God, without seeking His forgiveness when we fail, without seeking His favor, that His grace would empower us. That we would realize that we need an intercessor to be leaders in the church, that all of us would realize that we need an intercessor to be worshipers in the church. And we just simply need to come to this place of acknowledging that from the leadership down, we're imperfect as leaders and we're imperfect as worshipers. And we need God's forgiveness and his favor continually. So the continual fire and sacrifices point not to a man with a certain type of clothing on, who is going about his duties day in and day out, but to a superior priest, in fact, the great high priest, the one that Kevin read about in Hebrews chapter 10, the one that is unlike the human priest who stood daily there at the entrance 
to the tent of meeting. Now the great high priest is the one who has sat down at the right hand of the Father. The great high priest is the one who doesn't sacrifice in the morning and sacrifice again in the evening and then day after day after day these sacrifices he is the one by the single sacrifice of himself has atoned for sin and enabled God's favor to rest upon his people it is the Lord Jesus that is pictured here in Leviticus chapter 6 in all of these offerings but in particular in the ones that we're talking about today, these continual morning and evening offerings that are made. He is the intercessor. He is the one who continually intercedes for you and me, and we'll get into that more next week. But my exhortation for us today is, A, all of life is worship, and we're imperfect worshipers. Leaders, We have duties to perform to further the ministry and the work and the worship of Covenant Presbyterian Church, and we fail. And we all need, because we're totally dependent upon God, His forgiveness and His favor. And let us draw near to the only one that has the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace that we need, the great high priest who is serving as our priest today at the right hand of the Father. Let us draw near to him by faith. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your patience with us. We, we thank you that you do call us uh, to worship you. We thank you, Father, that you call some of us to lead on behalf of you and we acknowledge that we're imperfect but father thank you for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus our great high priest thank you for the favor that you show us through him and the grace that empowers us to be your children cause us father to daily flee to Jesus as we seek to be that living sacrifice that you've called us to be. In his name we pray. Amen.